Hello, beautiful beings. This is Connection Hood. What's up, beautiful beings? Welcome to episode five. I am so stoked to be sharing this episode with you today with the wonderful, lovely mama, Esmeralda Hummingbird. Uh, just a side note, as a disclaimer, healing and medicine are two very different disciplines. The information that myself and all the guests share on this podcast is from our own personal stories. And all the different healing suggestions, groups, or information that they share and that we share, that has worked for them and that has worked for me. And it is not intended as a substitute for consulting with your physician or another healthcare provider. Although, luckily, you know, it's not one or the other type of deal. And different healing modalities, you know, can always be added to your normal healthcare protocol. Also, I am ignorant of many cultures, languages, and meanings. I, uh, that's pretty obvious throughout the whole conversation. But also, just letting you know, I am ignorant. And I am always learning and always down to learn more. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Yate. Yate. Uh-huh. What does that mean? That pretty much means it's a blessing. So when you say aho in Native American, you're pretty much just giving it up to the creator in beauty. And it can encompass a lot of meanings for different tribes and people. Very nice. Mm -hmm. How much Native American do you have in you? So I am Apache Mescalero, and I'm also of the Huichol people. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely am indigenous and I have a little bit, I'm sure of Spanish roots. And there was one time where I tried to trace a particular last name in our family that I was able to trace back to a German ship. So I thought that was very interesting. That is interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Germanic people. (laughs) Anywho. So how many children do you have? I have three daughters. I currently have an about-to-be-18-year-old young woman named Irie Sunshine. And my, I love that name. Thank you. And my daughter, Hayes Luna, is 14. I love that name, too. <laughs> and my little one, Sensi Star, she's 12. I love that name too. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful experience to come up with their names when we were in that whole time and space. <laughs> Definitely love Bob Marley. Yeah. Let's just say that much. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like a lot of us were in that time and space mm-hmm. for a while. And then yeah. you can see small glimpses of it here and there. Oh, most definitely. Uh I was just thinking about that. The other night, how Bob Marley and his freedom fighting music mm-hmm. really changed my life. And I was thinking, like, when that happened, and I was about 12 years old. My mom had bought this Bob Marley Legend CD through, like, this, like, male infomercial type thing where you can buy, like, 100 CDs for, like, a penny each or something weird. I just remember looking through those little catalogs. It's so cool. And I was like, I really want this one. I want this one. And anyway, she got me a few that I wanted. It was Bob Marley, the wallflowers, the doors. 
and yeah, Oasis. <laughs> Some good stuff there, and that's what really helped me build a great foundation. For music, mm-hmm. you play, you're a musician. I am a musician. I consider myself a vocalist. I also play native flute. I dabble with ukulele, guitar. I have a drum set that I like to jump on and make a bunch of noise. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I love music. I love music. Was music I, something you grew up with? Did you self-teach? No. I am all self-taught. It's in my blood. I'll backtrack to why I believe it's in my blood because I didn't grow up with my father and he's a musician. His whole entire family, they're all musicians. They were in a band. They all play incredibly. And I think that's why I was the only one on my side of the family that got that passed down somehow. And yeah, and then once I found out he played saxophone, electric guitar, drums, vocals, I was like, holy smokes, that's where I get it from. <laughs> that side of the family. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, amazing. What yeah. type of music do you perform and share? I have termed my music revolutionary indigenous folk reggae. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so if you all know what that can mean. That's exactly what I'm all about. My lyrics, my performances, what I stand for. That is what it is. It's revolutionary. It's indigenous. It's folky. And it's reggae. And it's really that peace within the world and interconnectedness that I, I want to bring out in my music mm-hmm. and share mm-hmm. with others. That's lovely. Do your girls play you. with you? They used to. Uh, my eldest daughter was playing trumpet for a while, and we wrote a song together, and I've forced all of my children to play music throughout the years. Currently, they are all in chorus, and they absolutely do not like music at the moment. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just pray that in the future, they're going to be all about it and play, and be confident with it. That's it. (laughs) It's tricky with girls that age, or maybe all teenagers, Mm -hmm. boys and girls, because I didn't listen Mm -hmm. to anybody Mm -hmm. and their opinions (laughs) at that age. I've always been very strict in many ways because I've had a rough childhood. Because I'm a single mom, I'm a woman in the struggle, and I'm raising women. And so, I hate to say it, but I'm that type of mom where it's like, what I say goes, type deal. And so, I've forced them all to play music, I've forced them all to farm, I have forced them all to learn domestic ways in the home because one I need help two I just want them to know how to take care of themselves and three you know I don't ever know if they're ever going to have a family but if they do I want them to be ready to know how to take care of their family and I had to start cooking when I was nine years old (laughs) so like on their ninth birthday each one of them that was my birthday present to them I was like all right wake up you're coming in the kitchen and you're making your favorite dish what is it 
and they all made something different. And my, my, I'll never forget my little one. She loves French toast. And so I made it fun though, but I taught them how to cook at nine and they've been cooking ever since. Wow. (laughs) And it was kind of like, and it's, it's, you know, not, it's not, I guess the nicest thing to do. Like, oh, because I live this way, you have to do this too. That's not how I am. I'm very easygoing, but I also want them to just, you know, do the right thing and and know how to do the right thing mm-hmm. as best as I know how to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do they cook dinner for you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. We have a schedule. Everybody has a different chore every day of the week. And if you get it done, great. If you don't get it done, great. We'll figure it out. But there is a board. Everybody pitches in. Uh, we take turns with meals. Everybody has to take turns even cleaning the fridge. Uh, yeah. Wow, I never yeah. clean my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's important for me, for them to know what's in there. That's the main reason, right? To just get first in, first out, get the old things out, cook it, throw it in the soup, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. And since I'm always bringing vegetables, it's important for us to get rid of the old veggies and... Mm-hmm. Bringing you, yeah. Rotate. Mm-hmm. So you farm. I do. I love farming. I love it. It's my passion. It's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I already know what I want to do, and that is live off the land peacefully with the animals, with my family, with my friends. Whoever wants to visit, they're welcome to visit. <laughs> I just want to tend the earth and not have to go anywhere if I don't have to. Yeah, I've been farming uh, since I was a kid. I grew up in a home where we had 30 seasonal farm workers living at one time. I was... Here locally? Yeah. In in the area? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, she's an immigrant from Mexico, and she settled here in Oceanside, but we settled over in the back end by Bonzel area. And so that whole area still has a lot of farming going on. And she was a very big part of that whole movement in the 90s and 80s. And we did a lot with that community. And so I was always around it, around tomatoes, strawberries, all that good stuff. And my mom always had chickens in the house and little plants growing. She loved house plants, too. And then when I got older, after I had children, I had a little space to grow food. And so I, I grew what I could there. And then when I left my corporate job, I would say, after a dedication of 10 years, <laughs> that's a whole long story. But I was like, what do I want to do with my life? I'm going to do what I love. And I rented a house and I started a garden and I met more friends and creator brought them. And I, I learned more about farming and gardening. And then I that's when I opened my own creation and that's called Garden Unidos. And Unidos means unity. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. And that's in your home? That was on my home when I was living there at the time. Unfortunately, they sold the property. I was just renting. I was mm-hmm. just leasing the land and I had to go. Mm-hmm. So I've been moving that project around because I don't own any property at the moment. Mm-hmm. But that's what I... That's my umbrella for my self-employment in regards to farming and 
services CSA boxes. Um, I work for other farms and there's a few different ones that I go and I, I help out. Right now, I'm currently also working with Terra Madre Gardens, and they're a very popular farm out in Escondido, and they've mm-hmm. given me a space to be able to grow and, and share with them and learn from the land there and the caretakers. They're amazing people there. So I work there one day a week, and I travel around doing other things, and I'll keep going. I'm a notary public. <laughs> I'm about to get my real estate license if all goes well. I Real estate? Yeah. yeah. That was very hard for me. Very yeah. hard for me to accept. I kept seeing all these signs and uh, friends and family who were asking me, like, hey, are you a real estate agent? And then just, I'd be like, no, I would never sell the land. Like, like <laughs> I'm not one for capitalism, per se, but that's a different topic. <laughs> And I don't want to really get into politics right now, but I will. (laughs) Anywho, so I kept seeing these signs and I haven't had the privilege yet to attend college full time and get a degree. And so I'm browsing through little catalogs, trying to figure out what's my next best move. I already know that I can make money off of the land. Because that's what we have to do in this society. That's not what I want to do, but that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the capital and said land, right? So, anywho, I got my notary public license, and I was like, what can I do with this? Oh, this is cool. Service as a citizen, great. And then I was like, huh, well, maybe I should become a real estate agent and use this for some good. Use this to acquire some land. Use this to be able to give back to the people and to help people and a good way. You know, in our culture, we don't sell the land because the land is nobody's property and everybody's property. So it's it's a hard concept to come to terms with and I've been torn, I've cried over it, but I know that my heart is good. I know that with this avenue, I will do some good for my people and for my community and for my family. And ultimately, I just want to share it. And that's what will happen when the time comes. We need yeah. honest real estate agents. Yeah. And, you know, I mm-hmm. don't know why. Not everybody is dishonest. Of mm-hmm. course not. Mm-hmm. It's a cutthroat industry. Okay, yes. That's a better way yeah. of putting it. I had the honor to buy a home years ago with my daughter's father. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But when I look back at that experience, it was very shady. And I'm like, oh, no, I was appalled when I started thinking about like all the things that happened. Just we got ripped off. The market was bad. It was about to crash, like just all sorts of things. And I learned so much from that experience and then correlating it to what I know now. I'm like, all right, I think I could definitely help some people out. So that's my plan. That's a good plan. Thank you. That's a good plan. Thank you. Thank you. I'm also a fire starter for the Wobriety movement. And the Wobriety means (laughs) – the (laughs) Wobriety – term means to be sober and well. It's a Native American concept. It's a Native American program. It is a 12-step program, but it brings the medicine wheel practices and principles and traditions of our indigenous people to the program. 
And I'm a fire starter for that. I'm certified and I host a circle every Sunday in Escondido currently. And we are on our two years, going on two years, circling up every Sunday. <laughs> that sounds amazing to, to me. Um, what? Tell me what a fire starter does. So we're a facilitator. Okay. I am mm-hmm. there to facilitate the circle, to be of service, to have the knowledge in case there is someone who needs help at the moment. Uh, we definitely do everything in the circle. We have talking circles. We pray in a circle. We open with a circle. We close with a circle. Circles are very important to us. But since I've been trained to teach this curriculum of white bison, I'm a little bit more, I would say, aware of what our indigenous people need and, and what, how we conduct ourselves in such ways. Mm-hmm. But we do praise AA. We very much acknowledge AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. also NA, Narcotics Anonymous, and Al-Anon, and all the other programs that do amazing work for our people and around. So, yeah. White Bison mm-hmm. um, was the fir- one of the 12 steps that gripped me. Oh, right. So my ah. first step. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, White Bison org is amazing. Mm-hmm. I am so excited for the organization, for their grassroots movement. They're doing so much for the communities, for the reservations, for the world. We are setting up circles of mobility, of mending broken hearts. There's different curriculums that we have all over the world. It's amazing. All four corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's time for mm-hmm. everybody to start healing mm-hmm. and coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, grew well. up in a very rough setting. There was a lot of alcohol and drugs involved. I became an alcoholic and addict myself. I continued to use even after having children. I almost lost my life a few times. I've made terrible mistakes. I've had unhealthy relationships. I didn't love myself, which I didn't even know I didn't love myself until I actually worked the program. And it was just bad. You know, I am so thankful for my sobriety. I'm thankful for the programs because it really helps you deal with the trauma, the intergenerational trauma that we're dealing with, the stress, the depression, just learning how to love yourself. I can't stress that enough. Man, Mm -hmm. was I like in the dark and not aware. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Once Mm -hmm. you get sober, how much you were Mm -hmm. suffering Mm -hmm. for so long. Mm -hmm. For so long. Mm -hmm. And just to think that the drugs and alcohol were there at such a young age for me. Mm. You know, I was able to just pick up a drink whenever I wanted and no one said anything. Mm -hmm. And I just was rebelling in a way because of the things I went through. I'm okay with talking about everything because I've worked through it already. Mm -hmm. And I want to share my experience with other people because if, well, maybe if they hear my story, they might, you know, get some healing from my story 
for themselves and for their families and just create um, healing cycles and hope and breaking those cycles of destruction that we've all been living. So, yeah, I was molested. You know, I was date raped. I freaking, oh my goodness. I'm like starting to think all these like terrible situations. (laughs) You know, I uh, was under like, crazy drugs and almost died. I ended up in the hospital clinically insane, 5150. I was in a car accident. I jumped into a pool with a cover, drunken idiot, and was drowning. Like, I did so many silly things, and I am so thankful to be alive and well today. I am so thankful to have just this life in me this passion to live and and to take it one day at a time yeah one day and to be here for my daughters because i didn't care for a long time i didn't care Mm -hmm. and i i didn't care about them unfortunately but it took a lot of growth a lot of pain but i'm here now and i'm able to talk with my daughters all the time about what i did what they shouldn't do and just really try to guide them on the red road is what we call it, which is the good road, the sober road, the healthy road, the respectful road, mm-hmm. and just be there for them whenever they need me. And so I talk to my kids about everything. They know. Yeah. Ever yeah. since they were little, I have never hid anything from them. Mm-hmm. But that was just my way of being who I am and just trying to raise, you know, good women. Mindful. Yeah. Mindful, girls. good women. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Healing generational mm-hmm. trauma is a huge trigger for mm-hmm. why this podcast is even happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, this is our generation. We're we're healing it. Mm-hmm. We're going through it all to stop it. We sure are. From continuing because mm-hmm. um, it's over. That time is over and it's past. Yes. I am so excited for all of the collective consciousness that's happening. It's incredible. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It is. I honestly was pretty pessimistic for mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. with the world coming together mm. in, in peace and love. So that's how mm. I was thinking. I was like, Mother Nature, drown us all. Mm. Like, take care of it. Wipe us all out. I didn't feel that we deserved to be on this planet anymore. Mm. And just really recently, within, I would say, the past couple of years, I've, I'm not pessimistic anymore. Good. You know, like, think we were going to come together and then, you know, that has yeah. changed. I don't think that anymore. But, yeah. well, good. There's a lot of different quotes that are out there and sayings that I've heard. And just one that comes to mind talking about the subject is I would say that we are like parasites on the earth because for so long we've destroyed the earth. And that's what it, a parasite essentially does, you know, and I don't like to talk about these things, you know, because I've had plenty of time to think about it. (laughs) Anywho, but that's just one way to look at it, you know, but with this collective consciousness, this new movement that's happening, because things have been so much in a rut, we've, we're starting to realize, like, holy smokes, if we want to live a long life, we better start making some changes fast. And we really do need to. And that's what a lot of my fight is. 
because I just see the disrespect to the land, the disrespect to people, the disrespect that our governments, unfortunately, are, are, you know, doing to all sorts of people all around the world. This is a global issue. It is a global you issue. You know, climate change is a global issue. Politics is a global issue. Oh, no. But, you Women's know. treatment of yeah. their rights and their mm-hmm. bodies is a global issue. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Leave us alone. <laughs> Leave us all alone from birth until we die. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I don't want to get into that. I know. That. It's too sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's healing so yes. that you can tell us, mm-hmm. you know, horrible things that have happened to you mm-hmm. peacefully. You know, you've healed through mm-hmm. that. And so that could give hope for someone else. That it sure can. You, you know, it sure can. Get through it. I definitely would like to just express that we are not alone. There is someone out there who has more than likely experience the same thing you are experience or are experiencing excuse me and you know just get connected find someone to talk to read a book about the subject and you will find a little bit of something that will help you work through it and i'm a firm believer of uh my creator i give it to my higher power I am not religious, but I am definitely spiritual. I'm, I have indigenous spirituality all through my veins and through my whole perspective on the way I see things. And, you know, pray about it. Praying is a good thing. It's an affirmation. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, is praising a particular God because mm-hmm. I don't believe that God's a man. But mm-hmm. that's just my whole idea. You know, it's just important to share because once we get things off of our back and out of our head and start working through them, you find so much beauty in the healing and answers that you didn't know were there. Yeah, you'll seek and you shall find. (laughs) Yeah, that's what the program helped me learn for sure. With the AA program? Yes, Mm -hmm. with the AA program. How long have you been um, sober? I am going on about... I would say almost three years of sobriety. I've had to kind of take a look at certain things because I, you know, smoked pot after I stopped drinking alcohol. And so, you know, can depending on what sobriety we're talking about, I can give you a date, but I'm going to just go ahead and say about alcohol, almost three for, years. For, yeah. alcoholic, anon- yeah. alcoholics anonymous. for almost three years. And I'm, I'm very happy about it. I am just a different person, completely different than three years ago. Wow. I I reflect often. I do my daily reflection, and I'm just amazed at the growth that I have on a daily basis, you know, and the fact that I'm able to just be happy with myself is so important, so important. If anyone is going through a tough time and is in an unhealthy relationship, do yourself a favor, let it go. Get out of that relationship. Find a program that works for you and start working the program. And stay sober, stay single, learn how to love yourself, 
and you are going to see such an incredible difference. But that's if you're in an unhealthy relationship. Now, if you have a healthy relationship, great. You know, you guys can work through things, but it really just takes some maturing. Not everybody's an alcoholic. I don't look down on people who drink and who have a glass of wine or, you know, I'm okay with that because there are remedies that alcohol does do for certain people, you know, certain illnesses. And I'm okay with that. We accept that. And that's what sobriety is about. But it's in moderation. It's not through excessive use and blacking out and and just losing control because that's what alcoholism does in addictions is you lose control of yourself. So, yeah. I still hang out with people who drink. I go to bars. I'm a musician, so I'm around that whole scene. But I have the willpower, and with creator's willpower along my side and by my side, I I don't pick up and drink or use. So I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Mm. What becoming stopping alcohol, mm-hmm. the consumption of alcohol, um, has brought has surfaced all of these other cravings, addictions. Mm. And things that I'm unhappy with within mm-hmm. my own life. Um, and so, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been rocky. The first few months of recovery have mm-hmm. been very rocky. Mm-hmm. They're never easy. Mm-mm. It's not... Or the recovery road is a hard road. Mm-hmm. But it is the most rewarding road that you can experience. And you will see the more, the most growth, I would say, as a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I continued to use, um, when I became a mom, I um, was, even at 17, I was using meth and drinking and smoking pot and doing coke. And I just thought it was a thing to do. And then I got pregnant at 17. And I was like, Ooh, what am I going to do now? So I go to my mom. My mom was happy. She was so happy because in her mind, she was like, she's just going to stop doing all the bad stuff she's going to do and become a mother. Yay. (laughs) It only increases. Anything you had before getting pregnant will increase after being here. Having a child. You were a child having a child. And... It was hard. And I resented my mom for such a long time because inside I wanted her to be like, no, you cannot have a baby. You're just a baby. Mm-hmm. But she was okay with it, you know? And I had no one else to turn to. I hadn't, I had never had the conversation about sex with anyone. I never had the conversation about STDs or how to protect myself. I never once visited a gynecologist at 17. I had no idea what I was dealing with. But one thing was for sure is I knew how to drink (laughs) and I knew how to have sex because that wasn't making love then. That was not making love then. No, you it know. really wasn't. No. <laughs> there's a fine difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see that now and I, I share that with my friends. I'm like, you know, there's a difference. 
between having sex and making love. Now, which one do you want to do? Mm-hmm. For some reason, when you're a kid, you want to... You, well, not for some reason. Everybody's super horny. But it's not. And yeah. that's funny. I was kind of thinking mm-hmm. back, too. I was like, man, mm-hmm. that was bad. It was all bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a waste. If I knew, I would have not done it. Any yeah, of it. Exactly. Exactly. It takes some experience, though. Yeah, it takes some trials and tribulations. <laughs> to get to the good stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) anywho so even with having children like i still used i would say that after having my first child i had postpartum depression and i was at a job that i wasn't happy at i had to work as soon as she was one years old and with all the stress with my partner at the time who was also using behind my back and not being honest, it was just chaos, you know? And I still wanted the freedom. I actually had to drop out of high school because I was ashamed. I was ashamed of my pregnancy and I didn't want anyone in the school to see me. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had my daughter. I was just, I didn't want to be that person in the high school because I had seen a young woman who was pregnant at our high school and I was just like whoa but I I didn't think anything of it you know but when I got pregnant I was like there's no way I'm going to school and everybody knowing what I'm going through because I was that kind of person I didn't want people to know my business at that time so I was ashamed I had a lot of guilt and was the father yeah. in high school with you? He was the same, a year older than I. Okay. So, yeah. He also dropped out. We decided to move up to Santa Cruz, where his family was from at the time. And then when things just weren't working out, because all of a sudden there's a pregnant girlfriend living at his family's home. They're like, whoa, pump the brakes here. You got to go home. Go talk to your mom. <laughs> so I came back down and my mom accepted me with open arms. And yeah, I decided to have my child. And it was the best thing I could have ever done. Truly, I love my my daughter, my Irie Sunshine. She, for a long time, was very much my mother. And I thank her every day for her beauty and her wisdom and her strong heart. She... She went through a lot. She went through a lot. After I had her, I dabbled in some methamphetamine and was drinking and smoking weed. And I considered myself like a productive user, like I didn't have a problem. We'd be surprised how many people are mm-hmm. are going, doing every, doing their daily stuff mm-hmm. using yeah. multiple different things. Exactly. Now it's opioids, mm-hmm. prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Such a problem, such an epidemic. And I hid it for a long time. You know, I. From her? From her. I hid it from her for a long time. And I'll never forget. And I share this story with the girls because I was such in my own world that I was like smoking meth at the time in the closet. And my daughter, Irie, was like in a diaper. We're in the room and I was hiding it from her. And she kept trying to get my attention. She's like, mom, 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 mom. And I ignored her until finally she said my nickname, which was Ezzy. 
And then I turned around and I gave her my attention. And honestly, it wasn't until about two years ago that I realized that I did that to her once I got sober. Because I started doing my inventory. I started writing down all of the negative aspects and experiences and crap that I did to people, places, and things. And it wasn't until then that I had to look back and reflect on some of the things that I did. And I realized what I did to her then. That memory came back and I was like, wow, that's so messed up. I was neglecting my baby girl, you know? I wouldn't abuse her, but I was ignoring her. And that's what that drug did to me. It it just numbed me from reality, from my family, and from love. And I apologize to her. We we have a great relationship. I'm able to talk about these things, you know, and laugh about it. And just sharing with them what not to do. These are my ways. (laughs) We have a very open relationship. Communication is key in my family. After that, not too long after that, I got pregnant. You know, through the pregnancy, I got sober again. How far Mm -hmm. apart are your um, first and second? My first and second are three years apart. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And my second and third, they're two years apart. Mm-hmm. Kind of tight. Yeah, kind of tight. Three kids under, yeah. what, five? Mm-hmm. 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 So I was dealing with a whole heck of a lot. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. We had the beauty to sit down the other day and look through all these pictures. And it was just so lovely. It was so much fun. I am not one to post, like, put pictures all over the house. I never was. I don't know why. Me neither. Yeah. But then I went to go see a a girlfriend of mine, a high school friend of mine, and I saw that she had all these pictures up. And I was, like, looking at everything. I'm like, this is so beautiful. Like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this with the girls. And we're going to get some of those collage frames and look through all the pictures and put this stuff together for my family and for my mom. And we did, and we had such a blast, such a blast. It was awesome. Well, let me share one experience with you while we were there looking at these pictures like a few months ago. I called my daughter, Irie, over. I was like, Irie, come here, look. And she's like, what's up, Mom? And I was take a look at these two pictures. What do you see? Now, this is a picture of my daughter, Irie, when she was about like one years old. And then there's a picture of her when she was like about five Five and a half, I would say. I remember that she was, I believe, in kindergarten. And I'm like, what do you see? What's the difference in these two pictures? And she's like, oh, my God, Mom, I look like a little crackhead in the five-year-old picture. And I was like, do you see how depressed and, like, hurt you were in this picture because of my addictions and because of all the stuff we were going through that you had to deal with? I'm like, look at how beautiful and happy and glowing and pink you are at one years old. I was sober then. And then look over here. Like, you could see the sadness in the picture. You truly could. And I hugged her and I was like, I'm so sorry, babe. I love you so much. Forgive me for putting you through that crap. Please. She's like, it's okay, mom. We're good. No worries. And, but I just, and then I brought the other girls and I showed them. Just so that they could see that hurt behind the eyes, 
you know. She had to deal with a lot, having to deal with new babies, having to deal with the fighting between her father and I, my addiction, the neglect, you know, it just sucked. But we saw it in those pictures and yeah, (laughs) crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so beautiful to hear you, mm. you know, be so honest and open with your daughters, you know, especially your oldest who, mm-hmm. who witnessed more and who was mm-hmm. around more, more, mm-hmm. you know, trauma maybe. Mm-hmm. And that you're able to apologize. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that's like a teenage, you know, response is mm-hmm. no worries, but for a mom to mm-hmm. apologize. Mm-hmm. That's everything. Yeah. That's everything. Has your mom ever apologized to you? She now does. Yeah. Because of my recovery, because what she sees on how I conduct myself and what I've learned, I share these things with my mom. Unfortunately, my mom is an alcoholic, and she's a woman in the struggle, and she's been exploited her whole life and has worked so hard for what we have and God bless her. God bless her. But she still drinks and she's okay with that. And I'm okay with her doing what she needs to do. You know, I respect her decisions and I don't tell her otherwise, but I do tell her something when I see she's not feeling well or, you know, any ugly little thing. But that's all I can say is just make a suggestion. And I've asked her for forgiveness for many things, but now I'm able to just make amends quickly to anything that I might have done that was wrong at the moment or any disrespect, not knowing that I did it at the time. So she sees that I do that, you know, and she's like, she's learned from it, you know, she's learned from it. And it was really cool because I am able to just, have such a different relationship with my mom now because of my sobriety. Yeah. So we talk often, we share ideas and, and sometimes we have different ideas, you know, than one another, (laughs) but that's okay. She's my mom. (laughs) Can't always agree. I agree to disagree, (laughs) but she has asked me for forgiveness because I had to tell her some of the things that I went through as a child that she didn't know about and that she forgot about. And I needed her to remember for me to heal. And so we went through that whole thing and she, you know, asked for my forgiveness and I forgive her. Yeah. During your sobriety yeah, was when Mm -hmm. that was hashed out. Yeah, hashed out. Unfortunately, we're going through a family member, one of my relatives who's going through a very terrible addiction too. And that's caused a lot of turmoil. I also have another relative who's looking at a life sentence in jail for a murder. So that's brought a lot of turmoil in the family. So we've had so many things that have been just crazy. I thought my sobriety journey was going to be easy and it hasn't been, but it's been the best for me, for me and my family, my daughters, for sure. 
So that's why I say it's not the easiest road, but it's the most rewarding. Because at least now I'm able to handle these experiences with faith, with help, with with good judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, before I'd just be like, screw it, I'm going to go smoke, or I'm going to go drink, or I'm going to go party, or go ignore whatever's happening. But now, no, I have to face things. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That is the thing. You have... Mm-hmm. I don't have any tools of how to deal with life. There are none, I don't think. I didn't. Ha- I did not have any tools except for getting high, <laughs> drinking, taking mm-hmm. something else, mm-hmm. or you know whatever other addiction was happening at that mm-hmm. at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But to you know be in your thirties and not have any life to not know how to deal with anything mm-hmm. <laughs> besides smoking yeah escaping numbing mm-hmm. you know yeah these i would say because of the intergenerational trauma we lost that we lost those teachings of knowing how to deal with life because of colonialism because of greed you know those things those ways were stripped from all people. And that's one thing I've learned that addictions and alcoholism and the lack of loving yourself and the lack of respecting yourself and the lack of respecting Mother Earth is because of the greed that is out in the world. And it's a sad thing to talk about, but it has to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that we're creating this conversation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that I'm able to at least share a little bit of my perspective with the, your audience because it's just important to just share ideas. They don't have to be common, mm-hmm. but hey, at least there's some good in it, you know? But yeah, I just feel like those ways were lost because our indigenous people, we're a love-based way of being. We are. And there were families, you know, generations ago who talked about things. There was never, you'll read in books that there wasn't jealousy, there wasn't anger, there wasn't shame with our native peoples back in the colonialism days when that all happened. I mean, in the people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn, there's some evidence in there about how people were. Uh, they're just so much beauty. We were love based traditions, practices and principles and people and way of being. And there mm-hmm. was no rape. No. Mm-mm. I mean, a lot of indigenous cultures don't even have a word for like evil or the devil or <laughs> negative terms. Mm-hmm. There are no words for that because they didn't know what that was. Yeah, those well, are just, people like you are bringing mm-hmm. bringing this lost wisdom mm-hmm. back up, surfacing mm-hmm. for other people that mm-hmm. need to hear that. Mm-hmm again and keep Mm -hmm. it going Mm -hmm. do you have some really good mentors i do oh god bless my mentors ah i have quite a handful of 
lovely, strong warriors in my life that are my spirit guides as well. I can turn to them for anything. All I have to do is pick up the phone or type on my computer and reach out. And they are there for me. Yeah, I am so blessed right now. I am so blessed. Mm-hmm. Kind of a side side note. Mm-hmm. What do you think could be a good solution for our education system? Ooh. Or maybe not a solution, but what is <laughs> what is a nice... What do you think children really need to learn? Ooh, that's a good one. I fight with this all the time. You, you know, you would be such a great oh, educator. Thank you. The right education. The pure yeah. love Mother Nature education. Oh, thank that you. And let me also backtrack because after I said about my mentors, I thought about my children too. They're very much my mentors. I go to them and I ask them questions on what to do. They're probably my go-to person, my first person I ask, and then I'll go and ask an adult. Yeah. And then more than likely, I'll be out in the garden just thinking about ways to fix things or what to do next. But back to your question, what I do or what is kind of missing in our educational system, I fight with this often because... (laughs) I've moved my daughters around. We haven't moved now, thankfully, for about three years, but we moved often. My eldest had to do the more moving around schools for a long time, and she hated it because she was like, she's like, I don't have any friends. And I was always like, I'm, you know, my bad, but you just, we got to go with the flow. You know, I don't own property. Like, what am I going to do? Anywho. So we're good now. So I, I put them in some charter schools. We've done public schools. I attempted to homeschool. They're all just as hard, mm-hmm. you know. You need a good support system, first and foremost. I would say that, now I've said this, I say this all the time to my recovery group, is that learning how to have a program like this for kids in school is essential. A recovery program. Yeah. Because it's teaching you, again, how to love yourself, how to respect yourself, how to forgive others, how to ask for forgiveness, how to take things at its core value. I don't know. I... I'm all about putting this <laughs> this 12-step program into primary school and high school and all education systems, to be honest with you. I love Wellbrighty. It is a great foundation to start learning how to be a good person because, unfortunately, society and what we're seeing out here, there's a lot of negative things. I mean, just with advertising alone, it's pulling you towards all different directions. Now, I'm not saying that they're the wrong way, but they're just not the right way for me. Um, yeah, having a connection with Mother Earth as well is so essential. So essential. You have to have Mother Nature involved in your aspect of school because that 
in itself is our only way of surviving. <laughs> we have to eat. We have to have water. You know, the elements in itself are what keeping us alive. And that needs to be more integrated in our systems too. Learning how to be sustainable beings needs to be implemented in our school systems. The arts needs to be more implemented into our school systems. I think back to my childhood in elementary school and I didn't have the opportunity to do music. I didn't have the opportunity I kept hearing about like sixth grade camp, sixth grade camp. And I was looking, f- I don't know if you ever heard of sixth grade camp at I've your heard school. Of fifth grade camp. Yeah. Or fifth grade camp. Well, at our school it was sixth grade camp. And when I got to sixth grade, all of a sudden they didn't do sixth grade camp. I was so mad because <laughs> I had never gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. I was stuck in my little neighborhood in my home and when I heard about that experience of people going camping somewhere afar, like, oh, I wanted to go so bad and I didn't get that chance to go when I was a kid. You know, and that was a nature-based experience that I missed out on. And so I look back at that and I just know that that is a great way of teaching and educating our our kids. The program is a great way of teaching our kids how to be respectful you know, and allowing them to be creative and within music and arts and all those other little realms that you could do. There is, you're not too young to start learning how to work wood and a little hammer or whatever. You're not, you're not. And so those are the things that I feel that just really need to be more focused on. I get we need math. Science is very important too. That whole STEM, you know, STEAM mm-hmm. is, is great. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And I think also we need to definitely take a little bit, a few step backs <laughs> from technology. Because mm. it's so prevalent now in our school systems that it's hard on our children. It's forcing them to be more mature in many ways that they shouldn't be mm. more things that they're seeing that they shouldn't you be mean seeing all the social media yeah. stuff and oh, Instagram yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then, and some of the influencers aren't the best influencers in my eyes mm-hmm. and they're pushing these avenues for our kids, for them to learn and, and to want to buy and to want to be like, no, 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 no. You're an individual promote individuality, you know, what are the schools like with all the technology? Is it just all literally? Well, um, we have experienced a charter school where everybody had a computer. And Sensi at the time was seven or eight. And I was like, oh, I don't want my seven, eight-year-old on the computer all day. Like, her poor eyes. Like, no, 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 no. She needs to be outside running around. She needs, she's a hands-on person. And I just wasn't okay with that. I just wasn't okay with her having to use a computer all the time. Now all the kids pretty much are forced to use communication via email with their teachers. Everything's turned in through the computer. I understand we're we're trying to be more sustainable and saving paper and this and that, but there are some sustainable ways like hemp. 
that we can start implementing and using for paper, for other goods. So that's just some of the things I've had to deal with and think about and try to find solutions within my own family dynamic at home and within the school system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hemp is a whole <laughs> can of worms <laughs> we won't get into. I wanted to backtrack a little mm-hmm. bit with implementing the 12-step program mm-hmm. into the education system. For any listeners who are unfamiliar with mm-hmm. the 12-step program, it's it's not this really rigid, intense program. It's literally no. really basic Mm-hmm. basic human decent mm-hmm. approach approach it's a gentle approach on how to deal with situations on how to make amends with situations on how to find answers to certain situations it's not for alcoholics or for addicts necessarily it really is all-inclusive Mm-hmm. And that's how I see it. Now, while Bridie has a great youth component that we work with our indigenous youth because a lot of them are hurting, are mm-hmm. addicted, are alcoholic, are missing and murdered at a very young age, unfortunately. And that's a whole nother topic that we can get into. But those are the facts. Those are the statistics We have more suicides within Native American youth than any other group. And it's unfortunate for our people because we've lost a lot of our people Mm -hmm. because they just can't deal with society, with something they don't innately understand. It goes against everything. It goes against our nature way of being. Well, how do you guys get everything Mm -hmm. going again? (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard, you know. know. What we do is we pray. We have our ceremonies. We seek for guidance in the sweat lodges. We smudge ourselves. We try to live a love-based system of positivity. We gather. That's why we also have our powwows. Because back in the day, you weren't allowed to dance. We were stripped of that. We weren't allowed to do our ceremonies, our songs. We were oppressed people, you know, but we're still here. We're very much resilient and we're healing our communities. We just try to walk in beauty. And that is by walking in on the red road as best as we can. And that's it. That is it. Yeah, that's wonderful. I I really, really like the way you just put that. Thank you. Yeah. That's why I say I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, I can go on and on with my ideas and they might not coincide with somebody else's, but who knows? Maybe things will start getting better for everybody. They are. You know. We're all awakening. Yeah. A lot of people out in the world who still need access to food and healthy water. And we need to be there for our brothers and sisters, wherever they're at. Are your kids mm-hmm. involved as well oh, with Wellbrain? Yes. I'm sure. Right? Yes, yes. They are very much involved. I have had them work the program. 
as best as they can to what they have. We have talking circles constantly at my house. If there's a problem, we're circling up, we're talking about it, and we move forward. I also have my eldest daughter who is now leading youth teen talking circles. That's very fun. I'm really excited for awesome. her role. Yeah. Is she really, she's like a natural She's speaker, a natural. natural oh, leader. yeah. She's a natural leader. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's so much fun. She's so beautiful. She's my mama bear. <laughs> my younger two. She's seven. Wait, how old is your she's oldest? 17. 17. Mm-hmm. So she's about to be 18 soon. Is she already a senior? She's a senior. She's graduating this year. Oh my goodness. We're super excited. And she's going to be 18. And we're just thinking of ways to better our life, you know, as a group, as a family. Is she going to like go and spread her wings? <gasps> I think? told her I want her to take some time off of school because she has all A's and B's right now. Mm-hmm. I want her to take six months off to just rest and love herself and have fun. And I started to teach her how to drive when she was 13. And all of my girls, they're all learning how to drive right now. And so I want to get her a car, but I don't want her to get a job just yet. But our plan is for her to become a real estate agent first, and then she'll be attending community college in Maricosta and moving forward with whatever she wants to do. A mother-daughter team. That's her plan. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, just become a real estate agent. You won't have to do anything. Just be a brain behind the operation. (laughs) I'll do everything. We'll see if that works out as planned. But who knows? I I don't know what creator has planned for us in the future. Anything can happen. We're just taking it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we are attending a camp out in July. It's, I believe, the 33rd Annual Indians in Sobriety Camp Out. This camp out happens throughout the nation in different reservations in Indian country per se and it moves around every year and we had the honor to attend the last two years and it has changed our life so we're going this year so they'll be very much involved then how long is that it's a four-day event there's a lot of talking circles speakers uh sweats songs dances delicious food food (laughs) you get to meet other natives in recovery and it's it's open to all people all the kids are there all the kids are with their family you'll see teepees up just a good time. It sounds Just like a, a good, good time. time. Yeah. yeah, and that's on Facebook right now. You can definitely find that on one of my pages because I will be definitely sharing about it. My daughter is going to be facilitating the Teen Talking Circle this year. Really? Mm-hmm. Wowzers. Yeah, I had the honor to facilitate Wellbriety last year. And we're just super excited to attend. And like I said, it's, it's open to everyone. So if you want a, any information on that, just go on my Facebook Esmeralda Hummingbird, and you can find more information about the Indians in Sobriety Camp Out in July, awesome. 2019. <laughs> yeah. What else is going on? There's so much beauty going on within the realms of addictions and healing mm. and mental wellness. So much. It's trendy to be sober. 
I've seen have that. Noticed I've that? noticed that. I was like, wait a minute. I, I have an Instagram and I I have an Instagram for Healing Forest Unido Circle. That's my circle that I facilitate. And I've noticed that all these like trendy, I don't know. Pop stars or yeah, celebrities. Like, I'm like, what's going on here? Are they really getting sober or is this just something they're trying to gain a following with? I don't know. But those are definitely the wrong ways if that's what it's about. But, you know, the most important thing is that they're promoting sobriety. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Because mm-hmm. sobriety is traditional. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I'm also right now, for those who are listening, if you have a chance to check out Soul remedy s-o-l remedy they're an up-and-coming band from north county here in san diego and their music is just amazing definitely talking about social justice economic justice and love so check them out too and i've i'm a part of that band now so i'm really excited to see what what comes with that new venture because I love them all. They're all such good individuals. That band started at what was La Milpa Organica in North Escondido, a farm. Mm-hmm. And they were all farmers at the time who decided to start jamming and playing music. And so they Heck praise yeah. the seeds, the sun, the plant. So that's like what we're all about. Yeah, yeah. those are the grassroots yeah. right there. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about singing with them and yeah and jamming with them so check us out cool how long have you been performing or you know a vocalist for who i picked up a ukulele for the first time about eight years ago i would say i lived in carlsbad i was super into the beach and the whole hippie movement i had dreadlocks down to my butt and i went to a music store near there in Carlsbad and I picked up a ukulele and it changed my life. The ukulele is known to be the instrument of peace. And when I found that out, I was like, oh man, this resonates so well. And I started learning how to play that. I moved to guitar after that and it just grew. And I was quickly singing songs because of coming yeah because of my musicianship and because i wasn't that good at my instrument string so it was just easier for me to play and sing my own stuff (laughs) yeah absolutely that's really inspiring yeah you know i i've been noticing that instruments are being called to me for some Mm, reason you know learning to play an instrument in my house Mm -hmm. growing up was like a big deal but yet it never happened Mm -hmm. they made a big deal about me learning to play the piano but I never learned how to play the piano. Mm. Well, it's never too late. It's never never too late. late. It's on my list. Mm -hmm. And um, drumming Mm -hmm. and the Native American flute Ah. have been like calling me. Oh, the flute is so beautiful. So healing. There's no wrong way to play it. No. It all sounds beautiful. All I listen to. So organic. (laughs) It's so natural. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it too. Love it. It's so healing. Yes. I listen to it to meditate, to mm-hmm. stretch, to just mm-hmm. like calm down. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy it. There is a flute circle every third Sunday of the month here in Oceanside. It's been going on for over five years now. My two mentors are the ones, or my three mentors are the ones who started that flute circle. 
at the San Luis Rey Bakery. Please check it out. It's so beautiful. The food's good. The people are great. They have raffles. And it happens every third Sunday of the month. What time? 3 o'clock p.m. 3 to 5. I'm going to hit you back for that. Yes. Bring the family. It gets pretty packed now. Yeah. So get there early because if not, you'll find a table on the other side where you can't really see Mm -hmm. musicians playing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Nice. Bring your flute. (laughs) Yeah. Any motherhood advice for moms? Sure. Talk to your kids. Just talk to them. Hug them. Kiss them. Love them. Ask them what they're thinking about. And if ask them if you've done anything wrong. And just talk. Communication. That is it. Yeah. That's what I found to just be very helpful within my family unit. It's just being able to talk about things, being comfortable about whatever it may be. There's no wrong thing to talk about. Yeah, I might be opposed about something, but at the end of the day, I still love my children and I want to be there for them. So I've made it very important for them to know that they can come to me about anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And so that's so important. Yeah, let your kids go outside and play. Let them get dirty. Teach them how to grow some food. That's so important right now, especially with all the GMOs and who knows what can happen, you know, a few years from now with our our food systems and our water systems. We really need to be mindful about what we're eating, about what we're drinking and how to do, how to grow it and where to get it. So that's very important to me. Like we've definitely gone out to see like we're all the uh, water ducks are that I know about in the area in case we ever need anything, you know, like that's important to teach the children where these areas are at, how to filter water, little survival skills, how to start a fire, let your children go out and play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah nice grounding. Yeah. Very simple, right? Simple and I nice. mean, they're, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Those are my, that's my advice on how to be a good mother. You know, I entered this motherhood at a very young age. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't ready. And it just takes experience. But with us being able to share these experiences with other people now, hopefully they'll they'll know what to do and not be afraid to ask for help. Not be afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, why that's so hard for so many people mm-hmm. and and then and then to receive it mm-hmm. yeah to that actually receive the help that constructive know? criticism <laughs> it's the ego set the ego aside leave the ego at the door just leave it at the door and you'll be able to accept what is being shared with you and remind yourself to remain teachable. Those are important. Those are some definitely some principles I practice that help me just be a better person. <laughs> Cause I still make mistakes. Yeah. I still make mistakes. I'm still learning. You know, I, I still don't say the right thing sometimes. And it's, it's just 
the way it is. It's just life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just living, breathing, you know, beings and who knows? We'll figure things out in the spirit world. <laughs> ah, yay, yay. Any closing thoughts or anything you want to share? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to be here sharing a space and sharing my voice with your audience. And I'm, I'm very happy that you're sharing about revolutionary motherhood. <laughs> That's important. And I'd like to, you know, give it up to my creator, first and foremost, for allowing me to be here. And I'm just so thankful. I'm, I'm filled with gratitude. Of course. Thank you. I will leave with just telling the people to love one another, to share ideas, to organize, to learn how to grow food, to play music, to dance, to get dirty, and to love yourself. Love yourself. And just try. Don't be afraid. You'll be surprised what good can come from something new. I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and where can we find you? Where can we look you up? You can find me on Facebook, Esmeralda Hummingbird. I also have an Instagram, Esmeralda Hummingbird. Those are my two main social medias i think that's more than enough for sure yeah i have some music up on reverb nation and i have all my side projects and entities on my facebook mm-hmm. my you have a lot, my, lot of yeah my stuff my garden unidos mobile notary i have garden unidos face painting because i love the children that is one of the most rewarding things I could do is face paint a child's face because their face afterwards is like the most innocent, glowing. Ah, I just love it. That's why I do it because mm-hmm. it just fills me up with love. <laughs> I also have Woman for Positive Change up there. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. That's what you're doing, girlfriend. <laughs> And Soul Remedy is up there. Healing Forest Unido Circle, the Wobriety Movement is up there. So yeah, you can lots of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I love yeah. to definitely be active in that way because it's my service mm-hmm. to the people, and I try to share positive things and you know things that are going out in the community always, just so everyone knows what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so you much so well. for being so. Thank you wonderful. for having me mm-hmm. for sure. Thank you. Aho, yate. Aho, yate. <laughs> You have the greatest smile and the greatest laugh. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah. This was very fun. And that's the end of this wonderful episode and conversation with the lovely Esmeralda Hummingbird. All the information, all the links, it's will be up on the show notes. It's going to be very easy to find her. She's going to be tagged and she's very easy to find if you have any questions. Um, I did want to say something about alcoholics, AA alcoholics. Um, I know the thought of getting sober is terrifying, but believe me, it is worth it. And, you know, you have to be willing to let go of a lot. You know, you have to consciously break bad habits. And I know that it's hard. 
And this is just something that has worked for her and has worked for many others. Of course, AA is not going to work for everybody. So with that, that's all I wanted to say. If anybody had anything else they wanted to add or talk about, they can hit me up on the Connection Hood Facebook page. You can email me at connectwithrena at gmail. And I wanted to leave you with a question. I really like this question. And if anybody, I'd like to hear all the answers because I... You know, we're here to work together. And what would you add or what would you take away to our education system to help our children grow and learn and be the best that they can be? So I like to get that conversation going and that's all. Have a beautiful day. Ciao for now.